Hey, geeks and geekettes. Sly Smith and Retin X5 here. Do you know all the ways you can geek out with Geekin? You can search for Geekin Podcast and Blog on iTunes and the Stitcher app. You can always visit the blog for direct podcast download, post to our forum, and talk on the on-site chat room. And as always, you can find Geekin Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. And now, on with the show. Hey, Geeks and Geekettes, this is Lysmith. And I'm Retinax5, and you're listening to the Geekin Podcast. Welcome to Geekin on Fall TV, recorded on October 26th, 2014. We're back, baby. Those big damn heroes, guys, I think they get better every podcast. I think they do as well. They, they practice, I think, and yeah. Putting us to shame. Putting us to shame. Actually, some of our other friends are getting into the podcast game. The, uh, the Issues boys uh, are doing a podcast now. That's right. Uh yeah, they had me rolling the other day. I had tears running down my face, laughing so hard. And then the kids got up from a nap, and I had to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I had it going out loud so my wife could hear it too. And I had to stop it when the kids got up because that got inappropriate really quick. The best podcast do. So fall TV. Has started back up. Thank God. I mean, summer TV was great. We'll have to do a podcast on uh, you know our, our best summer programs. There were some really good shows out there. But there's something about getting the fall shows back, getting the uh, – not really network, though I think all of the shows we were going to discuss are network shows. But it seems to be the big guns still are coming out in the fall. And uh, so many good superhero shows on the air and genre shows. Um, some returning favorites, some new shows. Um, we sort of waited a little bit so that we can get, for the most part, three or four episodes into each series before we were really going to start dissecting them rather than, hey, one episode aired. It's been wonderful. Though we are going to discuss Constantine and one episode has aired. <laughs> so, so we will be doing, jump, you know, we will be jumping the gun a little bit on that one. But, uh, yeah, so we've got some good shows to discuss here. Absolutely. First, I want to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. I think this show just gets better and better every episode. I am going to agree with you. Uh, Last season, I enjoyed the show, but I also criticized a lot of elements of it. I just felt like it was sort of wandering around. It didn't really grab me too much. I really was waiting for them to throw Sky out of an airplane without, without a parachute. That's very true. Uh, I just despised that character and... I just felt the show was okay, but should have been a lot better. Then, of course, Captain America Winter Soldier came around, and spoilers, of course. Well, it's not spoilers if you're watching the show. Uh, we had the Hydra reveal. Last season, it felt a little awkward when they did that. It just sort of, I mean, the episodes were better, but it was such a turnaround. Yeah. Uh, it was literally like um, it was one show for all this time, and then the Tuesday after after um, Winter Soldier came out, it became a completely different show. This season, as they've sort of been able to have that summer break to sort of plot things out, I love this. I'm loving this show. It's. I think it's really found its footing, which, I mean, is stereotypical of a Joss Whedon show. And you're absolutely right about that. And one thing that is surprising to me is, God, I really want to rip my tongue out for saying this, but Sky is quickly becoming my favorite character this season. 
I knew you were going to say not. I didn't expect the favorite character part, mind you, but I did expect you to like her a lot more. I I have enjoyed the character a lot more this season than I did last season. That's for sure. Last season, she was that prototypical early twenties know-it-all sort of like I'm so much smarter than everybody else, and I'm the person who's going to cut everybody down to you know down to task by you know having the witty lines and just mocking everything around her. This season. She's a part of the team, which she really wasn't last season. Her character is just so much better in the sense that she's not, while she still has her sarcasm, it's now for character development rather than, oh, look, this is the cool character that everybody's going to love. Right. And she acts more like an adult now. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And I love, I love the monster in the basement element with Grant. I oh, love, yeah. I love that she's going down and seeing Grant. Not every episode. I think they're handling it pretty well. You know, having a few episodes go by and then have a scene like that. Um, I love that Grant is like, I'm never going to lie to you. You know, and I, it just makes me want I want to know where this character is going to go as well of what they're going to do with Grant. It's as you My- said, a Joss Whedon show. You got to wait for the second season for it to hit its stride. And I'm just loving it. Absolutely. And, you know, the. Uh, Sky and Ward dynamic isn't even my favorite. I think my favorite scene with Ward so far is when Fitz went down there with him. Oh, that was such a good scene. That was such a good scene because you can see in in, in, in Ward's eyes, it was like, uh, one, you can see he was genuinely happy to see that he was alive. You saw that in his eyes like, oh, okay, good, you're alive. And Ward trying to explain, hey, I actually saved your life or tried to save your life. You know, I could have just put bullets in both of your heads. Yeah. But instead, I did something that gave you an opportunity to save yourself. Uh, and then, of course, you know, taking the air out of the room was uh, – I, I just oh, yeah. love what they're doing with Ward, the monster in the basement. And I love what they're doing with uh, with Fitz, with the separation of Fitz and Simmons. Yeah. Are you caught up before I, I uh, spoiled this I, last episode? I am caught up, yes. Okay, good. That really, that really tugged at the heartstrings a little bit. I mean – Normally, I'm really quick on these things, but that first episode, when you realize she hasn't been there that whole time, he's talking to himself. I know. Man, that hits you right in the feels. It does, because it makes you realize that, you know, I mean, of course, the whole, their their characters are kind of a joke in the sense that it's Fitzsimmons, you know, that they're, yeah. you know, Fitzsimmons. Right. Um, but when she's gone, you realize it really was just Simmons and Ward were the only two people he really interacted with in a meaningful way. Uh, and then Ward is gone, tries to kill them. Uh, Simmons is gone. It was a logical progression for the character, especially after what happened to him to sort of shut down. And I love the fact that it wasn't fixed in one episode. Right. It's in fact, it's still an ongoing process. Um, you know, he started uh, um, having a beer with Hunter and um, oh, the other mechanic guy, uh, I can't remember his name now. Um, him, he's starting to come out of that shell, and you know he's leaving the Simmons of his mind behind. And of course now Simmons is back, and you can see that awkwardness there. Uh, that there's something more that we don't know, or at least fits and fits his mind. She chose to leave him. You know we don't we haven't seen it from Simmons' point of view, though she seemed pretty awkward coming back. And talking to him as well. I mean, she walked into that lab like there was a lion in there, and she was sort of walking around it very carefully. 
Right. So there's obviously something there uh, and that we haven't seen yet of them detaching from one another. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying that. And after the first episode where I was a little iffy with the new guys, I really like uh, Hunter. You know, I like the the wise-ass British guy that they have on the show. Yeah, yeah, and um, I, I really enjoy him. I mean, I wanted him to die in that first episode. Oh, really yeah. Bad. But after that, I'm, I'm getting kind of attached to him. And I was kind of upset to see um, Lucy Lawless go in that first episode. I would, but you can tell she she went away. She's going to be back. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping. When she appeared in that first episode, I've like all of us genre fans were like, well, you know, Xena, Battlestar Galactica. I mean, she's just she's a genre goddess in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And to have her on the show is wonderful. And I'm sitting there going, wait, you can't have her on the show for one episode and then kill her. So I'm with you in the sense that I think she's going to be back. But to get back from one second to uh, the unfortunately named Lance Hunter, I still think it's a terrible name for a character. <laughs> um, after that, I agree with you. I didn't care for his character in the first episode. But I think what I like is he has sort of stepped into what Sky's role was last year as sort of the wisecracking, I don't take any of you people seriously. I'm going to constantly be belittling all of you. But he does it with a twinkle in the eye and some self-deprecating humor that I think makes the character likable, where last year's Sky was just irritating. Absolutely. But I've realized with the last episode, he's kind of like Sky, but funny and not quite so arrogant or emo, so to speak. And I love the introduction of, uh, of, of Mockingbird as the long-mentioned ex-wife. You know, she quickly rose to my favorite character. I mean, I know she's only in like half an episode, but so far she's my favorite. And I think – I know that we talk about this absolutely every freaking podcast, but it made me so sad that she's not Wonder Woman. I, I actually was talking to my wife about that when we watched the episode. I said, you know, they were going to do a Wonder Woman TV series, and that actress, Adriana Palacki, I believe is how her name is pronounced, was cast in that role. And seeing her, just the physicality, I mean, she's, gee, she seems two feet taller than every single person, every right? other person on screen with her. Uh, and she definitely handled the ass-kicking aspect very well. And she's a good actress. I remember watching her on Friday Night Lights. So she's a really good actress. So I agree with you. I mean, obviously, you know, we are stuck with Gal Gadot, and hopefully she'll surprise us. But, I, yeah, watching that, you just sort of go think, well, you know, what could have been? You know, if that Wonder Woman series had been – that Wonder Woman pilot had been a little better than supposedly it was. I haven't seen it. I've heard that it's leaked online somewhere. Uh, have you Have you seen it? I may have seen – yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've heard it's – I've heard it's horrible. But It's not that bad. I mean it's not what you would, it would expect from Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. They tried to Smallville it I think a little bit, but – her as an actress and her as Wonder Woman, I didn't think it was bad at all. Yeah, I, I have to see if I can uh, find it because she kicked ass as uh, Bobby Morse, and I'm glad that she's – is she a regular on the show or is she just sort of like guest starring occasionally? I'm not – No, she's supposed to be a part of the team now. That's great. I mean they need – I mean I love May, and that's another thing. We haven't even got to, into talking about Coulson and May. Oh. That's great. I mean I, I, I'm – I've always liked May, but I think I like her even better 
this season. That's all the characters have just gotten better this season. <laughs> <laughs> they really have. Uh, I I, I want to say that I think something that I find a little odd that that just makes me tilt my head and squint at the screen a little bit is that the strange bromance between uh, Fitz and his name is Mac, the yeah, other engineer. That's his name, yeah. Uh, that's going on, and then you bring in Bobby Morris and Simmons is like Gaga for <laughs> Bobby. Yeah, she uh, is. Uh, it's, it's just it's it's kind of a parallel that I think is just kind of odd. I'm this season. I'm doing something that I didn't do last season, which is I'm really looking forward to each new episode. Yeah. Last season, you know, because I'm one of those many people who doesn't have cable, cut the cord, you know, I do the Hulu thing. Um, I tend to let episodes last season just sort of pile up a little bit. And then over a weekend, I'd sit down and watch a few of them. Um, but this is now with Hulu. It's the next day. It's literally it's you know, Wednesday. Boom. We're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's become must see TV for me. And. It's odd because I sit there and I think, well, I, I, I can't quite say why I love it other than the characters have kind of come alive this season. And definitely the, the Hydra element. And that's the other thing I want to talk about, the Hydra thing. I think they're handling it really well because one of my complaints last season when this started was, while this is all an interconnected universe, Marvel knows that most people, more people see the movies than watch agents of shield. Um, so they can't really do any huge reveals in agents of shield. The next big reveal needs to be in Avengers two. So I've thought, well, they kind of have to just spin their wheels on agents of shield until age of Ultron comes out and sort of pushes the, you know, fractured shield story forward a little bit, but I think they're doing it really well better than I thought they could in the sense that they're continuing to move that story forward. And yet it's not something huge or groundbreaking. And it's something that allows the show to breathe. I love the antagonistic relationship between Coulson and the general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love to introduce the new uh, villain of Hydra, that dude from the forties. Yeah. Um, they've done all these and, and now they got flowers. I can't help call her flowers. Uh, <laughs> Raina. Uh, mixed in with Sky's dad. I mean, that's another huge story element. Uh, who, for a second there, I thought he was going to go all Bruce Banner, by the way. Yeah, me too. When he was sort of strangling her, and then he looked at himself in the the reflection, and I was like, is he going to turn green? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> Especially since she was like, you're losing control. Makes me wonder if somebody else got hit by a little gamma radiation. Right. Um, but I, they they're just... It's just so good right now. Every element, the characters, the Hydra storyline, um, Coulson and the weird writing stuff that's going on, uh, the new characters that have been introduced, which normally I'm a bit iffy with, but the new characters have actually helped the show. They fixed other characters like Sky. I like that Grant, that Ward is still there. They didn't just throw that baby out with the, with the bathwater. Uh, they're keeping him there, but not overusing him. Um, it's just last season it was like a five out of ten. This season it's up to like eight or even nine out of ten. It's improved that much. Well, if you look at any other Whedon show, it's all about the ensemble. Mm-hmm. Uh, even even the shows that are named after a specific character, uh, it's all about the ensemble. And so I think they finally found a 
the right group of characters for this show. Um, I will say one of the things that surprised me was in the first episode they used the villain Absorbing Man. Mm-hmm. Which in the comic books I always hated. I thought he was a dumb villain. He was a, he was an idiot to begin with. But then uh, I just thought he was just a horrible, horrible villain and, and a complete joke. And they made him into a badass in this episode. I was blown away. They did. They did. I've been pleasantly surprised by the, with that character and then the other characters. They're doing a pretty good balance of the spy thing with the super powered metahuman. Yeah. Thing. I think last season, the first half was really more spy oriented, and then they tried to compensate by doing a lot of metahuman stuff. This season, they found, I think, the really good balance of the post Winter Soldier Marvel universe, which is very spy oriented, especially on something that deals with S.H.I.E.L.D., but still managed to keep in the metahuman element. Um, I, I just can't recommend it enough right now. It's, it's really, I, I'm shocked at how much I'm enjoying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So now that we've talked about how happy we are with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Marvel, <laughs> I'd like to take a second and move over to DC and talk about a huge disappointment. <laughs> well, there's a little inside baseball here in the sense that there was a whole podcast that we did <laughs> about the first episode of Gotham. We recorded it, and then some stuff in our personal lives sort of caused things to sort of fall back. And uh, Lysmith does the editing on the show. And uh, so I said, you know what, I'll, you know, things were going on in, in Lysmith's personal life, family life, some things that had to take priority. So after about a week, a week and a half after the we recorded the show, I just said, hey, send me the tapes. Let me try my hand at editing it. And I listened to the raw tape and I decided to bury that fucker <laughs> because uh, that was the most depressing <laughs> podcast that we'd ever recorded it was basically basically my feelings it's particularly my feelings toward that first episode of gotham made it sound like on previous episodes i was the president of the Zack snyder fan club i love Zack snyder compared to how compared to gotham i hated that pilot so much and i ripped it to pieces and i just felt it was too it was too depressing a podcast and it was funny because you were very much the voice of, well, you know, there are some good elements and they can move like this. And judging from your little introduction here, I'm thinking my my cynicism may have bled over to you. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. I do have uh, some good things to say about it and some worse things to say about it. Um, I, I am not caught up. I'm going to not talk much. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are saying, thank God, because he talks all the time. Anyways. But I'm going to tend to let you do the, t- the lead here. I'm going to ask a couple questions, but I, for you know, I basically have watched the pilot and then the second episode, and I haven't watched any since then. So I'm going to let you have the lead on this. Tell me why this show sucks so much. My biggest problem with the show is that it has so much potential, yes. and the, the actors are good. Um, I, okay, I say the actors are good. There are scenes, especially in the episodes you haven't seen, where Jada Pinkett Smith, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> goes so overboard with it that it's it's comical. And I'm not sure if they're intending it to be that way. I'm sure they're not. I'm sure it's supposed to be very dramatic and intense. And then, then I'm like, maybe she learned this from I don't know William Shatner. But <laughs> she had a moment in the second episode where she tried to she wanted everybody to leave her club. 
And she just stood up and said, out! (laughs) And I was like, wow, this makes like the Adam West Batman series look subtle. Yeah, it was, she, she gets rough. I mean, uh, yeah. (laughs) But, uh, the gentleman who plays, uh, Jim Gordon, Ben McKenzie, and Harvey Bullock, Donald, whatever he said his last name was, Logue? Logue. Let's go with Logue. I like that. It's Logue when he's a man talking to a man. If he's talking to a woman, it's Logue. Oh, <laughs> I see. Um, they're wonderful actors, and I really enjoy those characters. Even though I want to kick Bullock in the nuts half the time, uh, I, I actually really enjoy the characters. Um, my biggest complaint about this show and I, I said this numerous times in the original podcast we did, is that they like to beat you over the head with stuff. Um, yeah, we talked quite a bit about how that pilot really should have been directed by somebody else. Yeah, There was no subtlety whatsoever in, in the first episode, or even the second episode. I watched the second episode. Uh, there's just a lot of, uh, this is dramatic, damn it, damn it, this is dramatic. Can't you tell this is dramatic? Right, right. That whole pilot probably could have been drug out over several episodes. Uh, the rise and fall of Penguin happened in that first episode, which could have been drug out all season. Not to mention it happened as a subplot in the first episode. Right. And there's just lots of little things that, uh, like that that I have issues with the writing. And then, you know, like they beat you over the head with stuff. In that first episode, uh, Edward Nigma shows up, and they just call him Ed. And mm-hmm. he tries to tell a riddle, and Bullock stops him. So he tries to tell another riddle, and Bullock stops him. And at that point, my wife goes, hey, that's the Riddler. When my <laughs> wife goes, hey, that's the Riddler, you drove that point home. There's no more need to, to go on with that. But then he tried to tell another one, and Bullock stopped him. And then he did tell another one, and Gordon figured it out. And then he was hurt that he figured out his riddle. And like we needed a sign up next to him that said, hey, this is the Riddler. <laughs> And then, of course, they, they threw Poison Ivy into the pilot just to, for just to have her in the background. Right, and they're not going to call her Pamela. Like in the comic books, they call her Ivy and make her pet creepy plants. Yeah, she was really a little too affectionate with those plants. I mean, I was thinking they needed to call somebody. Yeah, like, right? Like, like the plant protection service. <laughs> right, it was just very weird. Uh, they called the penguin penguin throughout the first episode, and they didn't explain why. See, it would have made sense at the end of it because he was sort of hobbled and he was walking like a penguin. But they were calling him Penguin before that. So, yeah, it was – and I mentioned – and I'm not going to turn this into a bitch fest because I shot down an entire recorded podcast because it was a bitch fest. Um, I had really high hopes for this show because the writer – the guy who's running it is – I uh, can't remember his name right now, uh, but he's the man who was the the showrunner on Rome, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. And it looks great, and they've got real, very talented actors. But, and I can only comment through the first two episodes, they can't figure out the tone. Even in the second episode, the one dealing with the doll maker. Yes, yes. It was you had the the subplot with with Cat Girl, um, which is a whole another issue right there. Uh-huh. And then children being stolen for nefarious purposes, and it was all very dramatic in this way that the story was told. But then the two villains acted like they were in Batman 66. Yeah. 
the way that they were, the uh, Lily Taylor and uh, Frank Whaley, I believe is who it was, they were acting like frickin' Cesar Romero and whoever from Batman 66. And I said, they're going, well, wait, is this a comedy or is it a drama or are they mocking it or is this self not a self knowing sort of humor, like ironic humor? I just can't get the feel of the show. Now, as somebody who's seen many more episodes of it than I do or than I have, um, is this serious or do they play it more for comedy or like yeah, they established a tone in these later episodes? Not really. And they're continuing to beat you over the head with stuff. I mean, this latest episode was about a drug named Viper. And in one of the ads, they had a picture of this guy holding this little vial of Viper. And underneath it, it said, Venom Prototype 1, the Bane of oh. Gotham. Oh, no. The Bane oh, of no. Gotham. Get it? Well, I got it at Venom. Bane of apparently... Gotham. <laughs> oh, jeez. And you know what? This is – I'm going to get on my high horse here. I promise not to talk, but I can't help it. It's what I do. This is the kind of crap – that they spew at comic book fans and we are like, yes, sir. Can I have another, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be any good, but Ooh, if they reference something from a comic book, we all love it because we're all like beaten little children or beaten doggies. And if we see something from a comic book and it's on a television show, then that means it has, you know, legitimacy. And we end up feeling better about being comic book fans. We will just take anything. I mean, really anyone who actually likes Batman should have, when they saw the Venom and then Bane of Gotham, should have kicked in their television sets. Yeah. They're just, it's just mocking you at that point. So, uh, again, I, I will watch some more, I will watch a few more episodes and see if it gets better. It's got a great pedigree, very good actors, m- mostly. <laughs> good people behind the camera, but, it ju- and I like Batman 66, don't get me wrong. I, I, I grew up watching the Adam West show. But this just this just does not seem to be a series where people actually care for the source material. I agree. Um, I had a thought and then it fell away. Oh, really? You could be writing Gotham. <laughs> um, it's a show that I'm going to continue to watch because I feel, like I said before, it has potential. I think it could be good at some point. But maybe they're just having trouble finding their footing. I mean, I gave Shield a whole season, right? Yes, and I will, you know, that's a, that's a very, very good comparison because I had a lot of issues with S.H.I.E.L.D. and we ju- I just got done talking about how S.H.I.E.L.D. has become one of my favorite shows on television. Gotham could very well go that way. I've still got the episodes on Hulu. I will get around to watching them. I just, oh, and <laughs> hey, I hate to p- pick on kids. Actually, I love picking <laughs> on kids because of people. But <laughs> I hate to be recorded with actual evidence left behind of picking on children. <laughs> But does that little brat who plays Bruce Wayne ever learn to act? You know, he gets better, but it's part of it's the writing. Uh, there's an episode okay. where he goes on this big hunger strike, and he doesn't eat. And he's trying to figure out his parents' murder. He's trying to figure out how Gotham works. He's not eating. He's not eating. And at the end of the episode, I don't remember what the fuck happens now, but he's <laughs> he's sitting there watching the news, and the news comes on, and, and I guess they caught the bad guy or something. And then he picks up something to eat and bites it because now he's hungry for justice. Oh, I don't know. It's oh. just, just, it was really lame. <laughs> oh, jeez, That's it. Oh, I want Joel Schumacher back. <laughs> I would rather have Joel Schumacher back. I want Arnold Schwarzenegger saying, I used to meet you, you know? <laughs> Come on. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, little sub, little sidelines. Did you hear that Joel Schumacher is going to write a Batman comic book? I didn't know. Yeah, I just read he's. They have been uh, planning a third Batman film, uh, but then Batman and Robin killed the franchise for a while. <laughs> uh, so the story that he had been developing for his third Batman film, they're going to turn into a comic book miniseries that he's going to write. You know, I'll read it. I, I will. I mean, hey, those films are fun, and even if they're just for drinking games, they're fun. <laughs> They're certainly more fun than Gotham right well, now. And it's weird because Gotham is getting really good reviews. I'm not impressed. And some of the the crazy um, rumors that people are coming up with, uh, you know, uh, the theory crafting stuff they're doing here, uh, people are speculating that Penguin becomes the Joker. What? Yeah, right? Right? Or or maybe Alfred killed the Waynes. Oh, no. That's out there. <laughs> uh, I think part of it is on that front is probably because I'm just not digging the actor who plays Alfred either. Yeah. Does he get I'm better s- after two episodes? No. He, he's still – he's very rough and – Still got a stick up his ass? Yeah. I mean he's not – they explain it a little bit, his problem, and I, and I get it, but that's not Alfred. That's not the Alfred that, that you expected to see, and so – it's very rough to adjust to. Every time he steps in the room with Bruce, I'm like, "That's not Alfred. What are you doing there?" Mm. So, I mean, nothing against the actor. He's, he's doing fine. He's, he's acting the way they're writing the character. Yeah, I just don't agree with the direction they're taking. He could probably be a fine Alfred if they'd write him that way. Mm. But enough depressing. Enough depressing. Uh, I'm going to start off our next topic. Uh, we're probably going to discuss these two next shows together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to say the highest praise I could probably give a TV show. These next two TV shows are probably the next Buffy and Angel for me. Wow, that's, that is very high praise. It's, yeah. Because I'm about to burst your balloon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, let's start with Arrow. Yeah. Actually, we should probably start with Flash because I'm loving The Flash. All right, let's start with Flash. I am loving The Flash. Um, the Flash is just – the funnest show on television right now. Absolutely. Are you caught up with it? I am caught up with it. Okay. Um, about 15 minutes into the first episode, into the pilot episode of The Flash, I did something that my wife says she has never seen me do, a look of joy on my face that she says she has never seen, and she was quite angry because she said it really should have been on our wedding day. <laughs> uh, this look. There was a scene where they were going down into uh, the, 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 the torn-up reactor area, <clears throat> and they walked by a monkey cage with a oh. sign that says Grodd. Grodd, yes. At that moment, I fell in love with the show. Yeah. They're going to eventually have Grodd on this show. Yeah, it's just the potential for a talking gorilla. I And you know I love monkeys. I have said this many times. We need more monkeys on television, more monkeys in film, more monkeys everywhere. I love monkeys. <laughs> Except for when they're being abused. I could not make it through the Planet of the Apes movie. It was too depressing uh, for me. Uh. <laughs> I was sitting there going, I was in tears. And this ape, they're treating this ape badly. Now, granted, I had 102 degree fever that day. Well. That my wife says may have actually been the reason. <laughs> I had 102 degree fever and I was on a whole bunch of medication. And I was like, I am that ape. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, honey, why don't you lay down for a while? <laughs> but anyways, 
the Flash is just fun right now. I I love Grant, Grant Gustin is great. Oh yeah, he owns this role. I love. I love the supporting cast, which is shocking because that was my one concern coming into the show was that they were creating these characters rather than using the regular Flash cast of characters. Mm-hmm. But I'm enjoying these characters. And I I love, again, despite the, the questionable casting or the questions that people about, had about the casting, I'm loving the actress playing Iris West. I'm loving the character playing Detective West. Yes. Or the actor playing Detective West. It's just, I love watching this show. It's, it's sort of what Arrow was like in season one, in the sense that it's new, it's exciting, it's fun, it's serious, but not too serious. It's like they took everything I loved about Arrow and, and did it again and better. I mean, with all really? of the uh, little tie-ins and little things back and forth, the, the mentions to comic book characters and uh, just little things that just, just really, really make the show for me. I love uh, Detective West. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's brilliant. I think that uh, getting John Wesley Ship back into the Flash TV show was probably the best decision they could have made there. He's great as his dad. He's yeah. great. He he has real pathos and drama. I mean, you can't you get the little geek surge of like, hey, it's the Flash from when we were a kid, right? But also, he's just I didn't know this. He's a really good actor. He, there's so much pain in his face and in his eyes that you completely buy him as this man who watched his wife killed and his life taken away from him. It's he's it's really good. I love that relationship between. Uh, Barry and his father. I love the relationship between Barry and Detective West. This last episode really had a lot of great moments between Barry and Detective West. Yeah. I'm actually loving the relationship that Barry has with Iris, where it's sort of this romantic thing, but also this sibling thing, where he obviously has more of the romantic feeling, she has more of the sibling feelings, uh, but it doesn't feel like a really bad sitcom. You know, it's right. actually handled well. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That scene where he he speeds around and tells her exactly everything that's on her on his mind. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that was great. And again, it's just it's a way of doing something dramatic with a little bit of twinkle in the eye and a little bit of humor. And the show, the show is just I've said it so many times already, and I'll say it again. It's fun. It's one oh, of the yeah. funnest shows on television, in the sense that it's exciting. It has good humor. The actors are really good. Uh, it's dramatic, but not dour. Mm-hmm. I'm really just loving it, and they—they they, you mentioned the little things they put in. Um, they reference Crisis, yeah, in the very first episode, Red Skies, the whole thing. Also, as a side note to this, in a way, Jeff Johns, who's an executive producer on the show and wrote a couple of the episodes, I believe, was talking about how because they're doing a Flash movie with a different actor, right? If they're going to have different continuities, and he mentioned something along the lines of. Actually, the way Marvel has a shared universe, we're going to have a multi-universe. Ooh. And he said there's a very good – you could still have Barry from the TV show meeting Barry from the movies. He Ooh. said that these, this is a multiverse that DC is creating rather than one shared universe. And that's – I, like really, I know. that I heard that and I was like, ooh, geek boner. I mean, yeah, I was really excited by that because I was thinking this is their way of bringing together all of this stuff like the Batman. Batman's obviously, you know, um, Chris Nolan's Batman 
is going to be very different, lives in a different universe than the Batman we're going to see in Zack Snyder's movie. They've been saying that from the beginning of when they, you know, introduced that, introduced uh, the, you know, Batfleck into the movie. They had said, well, this is a very different Batman. So it does seem as if there is some sort of shared continuity, but they're going in a different direction. And I can't help but wonder if this sort of the the um, doctor and I lost his name right now. The dude who can walk but doesn't want people to know he can walk. Doctor Wells. Doctor Wells. If he's going to be the key to this multiverse that they're building. Yeah, and yeah, it seems to me that they've broken a villain in half there. Okay. You're familiar with Flash background, right? Most of it. I read the Flash comic when it was rebooted after Crisis in the late 80s, and I read some of Jeff Johns' run in the early 2000s. I'm not a huge Flash maniac, but I'm fairly knowledgeable. Okay, so uh, Dr. Wells obviously has come from the future. He's got some future tech. Mm -hmm. He was looking at a a newspaper from the future. Uh, And he's obviously come back in time to shape the Flash. We've we've discovered Mm -hmm. that these episodes. But... Detective West's partner, his name is Eddie Thawne. Yeah, yeah. Which, for those listening who don't know, the reverse Flash, one of the reverse Flash, uh, came from the future, and his name was Eobard Thawne. Yeah. I was wondering what they were going to do with that. Well, did you see the pictures that were leaked? Um, Wait, wait. I think I remember seeing... Something I didn't see the pictures, but I saw a headline about reverse Flash costume or something like that. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? There were uh, I don't know uh, five or six different shots of uh, what appears to be uh, reverse Flash uh, standing over Flash, and he uh, the, if you look at the pictures all together, it kind of looks like he's mocking him a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and it's. Pretty much Barry's costume in reverse. The top half is yellow and fades into black as it goes down. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, it's, it's Barry's costume in reverse. But it looks to me like the person in that costume is Eddie Thorne. Hmm. And Eddie is with Iris. Yes. And has embedded himself in Barry's life, being partners with his surrogate father. Mm-hmm. And with his... Uh, Love interest. So it feels to me like they've split this character in half. I don't know how they're going to be connected, but I think they obviously are. And then you have uh, whoever or whatever killed his mom, which seemed to to me, I thought was going to be reverse Flash. Yeah, people have taken screenshots of that first episode, Yeah, and it it definitely looks like the reverse Flash. Uh, See, hmm, I'm liking this. I like the mystery. I like that they're throwing us... You know, they're having us look in different places. It's just, I'm, it's a good show right now. Absolutely. It's such a good show right now. Um, I think the first several episodes of this have been better than the first several episodes of Arrow. That's how much they've hit the ground running on this. I'll, yeah, I'll give you that. Um, I don't think it was this episode. I think it was the episode before that. That just damn near had me stand up and cheer where Barry is arguing with Joe about being a superhero. And Barry basically tells him that if he yes. can yes. Yes. jump into a burning building and save people, he's going to. And there's nothing he can do to stop him. And I was like, that's the way you do it, Man of Steel. That's, mm-hmm. yep. that's a superhero right there. That's exactly it. That is exactly it. I had that exact same conversation with my wife when we were watching it because I turned to her and I said, they work so hard in Man of Steel 
to give Superman the sort of outsider brooding element, which they didn't need to do to create a pathos for him. Yeah. The pathos of Superman is that he can't save everybody. He wants to. He has these powers. He has these abilities. It's the reason why in the first Superman film, it's so emotionally devastating when Pa Kent keels over. Because here's the greatest superhero in the world with all these powers, and he can't stop his dad from dying. That's what breaks Superman's heart, is that he wants to help people, but he can't, he can't help everybody. There's always people who can't be helped. And when Barry had that conversation, I thought, that's, the, that's what drives a superhero. He can help people, so he's going to help people. Absolutely. And I thought, why can't Zack Snyder see that? That's what drives a superhero. So you're right. It's funny you should mention that because that exact same conversation, I like this pumped. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the episode, Joe comes around and he he agrees and supports Barry so that uh, Barry has that support and can believe in himself because Joe does. Mm -hmm. Just such a it's just such a good show. Yeah, I can't wait for for more episodes. Uh, And they're very soon. The next couple of weeks, I think, going to be crossing over mm. with Arrow. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, actually. I'm looking forward to that because I think Arrow can use a little fun right now. You're not liking Arrow. I There's a lot of things that I do like about Arrow. I, I like that Malcolm is back mm-hmm. because I love that actor. Yes, absolutely. I... And this is going to sound very weird. I like that Sarah is dead. I like the character of Sarah, and I like that they're using her death to actually give Laurel a plot. Who has also grown as a character. I'm liking her a lot more this season than I did previous seasons as well. Laurel's plot is actually my favorite thing right now Yeah. on Arrow. And again, it's sort of like the um, Sky situation where my least favorite character is becoming my favorite character. I'm really excited about her joining up with this boxer and learning how to fight because – this boxer is – it's Ted Grant. That's Wildcat. Yeah, it's Wildcat. And I'm a little concerned because I don't want them to do the whole relationship thing. Yeah. Because if you know the background, that's kind of gross because he's actually a father figure to her. Right, right. Um, and he's, he's a lot older in the comic books too. Yeah, so that's a little iffy to me. But you know what? At least they're giving Laurel something good to do. And they're, and she's really stepped up, I thought, as an actress. Uh, Katie Cassidy, I believe her name is. Yes, she's, yes. she's given easily her best performances um, with the character in the last several episodes. So I, I like that Sarah was killed because it pushed Laurel's storyline forward. Also, I think Arrow is getting a bit too packed with too many masks. And Diggle and Roy last season sort of disappeared, especially Diggle, mm-hmm. because there are just too many other characters. Um, so Getting rid of Sarah, I thought was a pretty good idea. Pretty good idea in the sense that it pushed Laurel forward, but also it's one less person to take screen time away from Diggle and Roy. Yeah, I had the same thing, the same thought about Thea. I kind of liked that Thea was gone for the first couple couple episodes. Right. Again, freeing up some space for the lead actors. I like Ray Palmer. I really like Ray Palmer. Oh yeah, yeah, he's good. He's he's great. I love his sense of humor. I love his energy. I love that he's has like three cappuccinos before a meeting and is bouncing off the walls. 
I love the I, – I, I had another geek moment when uh, he was doing his presentation and he introduced Starling as Star City. Star City, yeah. I mean, I love that. I mean, it was really, really good stuff. But here's my problem. Well, I have one minor problem and one more serious problem. The minor problem is I don't give a shit about the Hong Kong flashbacks. That's what I was going to ask you is how you felt about these flashbacks. I preferred the island because at least the island – well, I was going to say the island shaped Oliver into Arrow. But the Hong Kong scenes could also shape him into Arrow. But – there's a big difference between being stuck on an island and being in one of the largest cities in the world. It's stretching the, the believability that nobody knew he was alive or that he didn't have a single opportunity. I mean, they showed that in the first episode with him running through and trying to, you know, get a, go to the internet cafe. And then the next scene when, um, um, Malcolm's son showed up, Tommy, Tommy. Yeah. So far, it just hasn't done anything for me, Yeah. the way the island flashbacks have. Um, I'll give that a little bit of time to see. You know, We had an episode recently, I think the last episode, didn't have any Hong Kong flashbacks because we were dealing with Thea's flashbacks. Right. By the way, another little geek thing I liked was when uh, Oliver went to uh, – well, of course, uh, Corto Maltese. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to love that. Uh, but uh, the man on the – Island said, I don't know Thea, but Mia. Right, right. Or it's like Speedy. Uh, you just love that. You're like, oh, that's a nice little inside joke because so many of us, when we started watching Arrow, thought Thea was going to be Speedy. And of course, now she could be because she's training, you know, Malcolm started her training. But, anyways, we had her flashbacks in the last episode. So that sort of derailed whatever momentum they were going on the Hong Kong thing. So maybe it'll pick back up and. I just, I don't know, the whole Amanda Waller thing, training him, being an Argus, I'm not seeing that right now. Maybe it'll get better. But here's the main thing. The show is just so dark and dour right now. There's not a lot of joy and not a lot of happiness. And it's maybe the problem is I'm watching it with The Flash, mm-hmm. and The Flash is just happy. And, I mean, it, it's serious. I mean, you have life and death situations there. But there's a sense of wonder to the flash. Right. Which right now arrow is just so dark and dour. And it's almost as if you're sitting there and the writers are like, we are a serious show. It's man of stealing is what it's doing. And, and, and Christopher Nolaning in a way, and I'm, no, I'm using those as verbs and they shouldn't, (laughs) but they're getting that sort I hate to say it, but arrow is almost getting to the self important feeling for me. Where it's just taking itself so seriously. I think they're building to something. I think I, that it, I hope so. I think it'll change. I think the, the really only happy character in the show is Ray Palmer. Yes. And when he walks in, it's like sunshine. Yeah, absolutely. And when he does his presentation and he goes to, to turn on the projector, he takes that thing out of his belt. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I died. I died. When mm-hmm. he used his belt buckle, that was yeah. – <laughs> <laughs> I, and especially Arrow, but Flash too. I'm having to stop and pause it and explain to everybody why that scene was so cool and why I'm geeking out so hard. They're throwing in so much stuff, and I, really I love are. that about it. They cut to Felicity at one point, and she's on the blog about the streak that Iris was on. Oh, you're kidding. No, no, no. If you watch her, she's sitting at her computer right uh, b- uh, before her and Ray Palmer get interrupted. 
by uh, Ollie in Cordo Maltese. Uh, she's she's on the computer when Ray Palmer walks in, and she's on the Streak Lives blog that Iris was on. Wow, I completely missed that. It's and all that kinds makes, of little stuff like that that just really makes the show for me. And that makes sense because I think later in that scene, after all the chaos of uh, Ollie calling and then also Laurel calling, um, doesn't she mention that she has to leave because she had a friend who was struck by lightning? Right, yeah. So she will probably end up in The Flash. Which was make me wonder if she's going to be in the very next episode. I don't know because – I don't know because I don't think they're it's not slated for the next episode. I want to say it's like two or three episodes from now. But who knows? I guess she could. I guess we we could see Arrow in Flash and Flash and Arrow on uh, episode 8, but who knows. So, again, I don't want to come off as hating Arrow because I've I've loved the show for the first two seasons. My only criticism I had previous to the season is I felt they sort of repeated the first storyline. For season two, uh, Oliver has to try and save the city at the you know the end, the earthquake machine, and then uh, Deathstroke and, and his minions in season two. They sort of had that same season-long plot of Ali having to save the city at the end. I still love the show. I still love the characters. I just – I'd like to see a little bit more happiness. Yeah. I just think it's a little too dark right now, and it's always played that line between darkness and light. I mean, that's why Felicity has always been such a great character. She's brought in a lot of light to the show when it could go dark in other ways. But right now, it just seems like it feels like they're telegraphing, we're doing something really serious now. And I'm hoping you're right that they're building to something. But I just feel – and then also I felt a little shortchanged by Malcolm. Really? Like he was there for like half an episode, and now maybe he's not going to be back. I'm glad that they're using him sparingly. He was a great, great villain in the first season, uh, and I was glad to see him die because I thought that that was a perfect uh, role, and I thought it was done very well, and the whole thing was treated. So when they brought him back, I, I was worried that it would cheapen the, the first part of his character, but they're using him very sparingly. And, and again, I think they're building him to something with Thea and he's definitely got some plans in motion. So. Okay. I can definitely see that. I can see that. And I, again, I'm not as hopeless about the show. Uh, the show has always been one of my favorite shows and I just want to see it get back to where it was, but you may very well be right in that they're building to something. And these are the steps that they have to take to get to this. Um, I just want to see some development in the Hong Kong flashbacks that actually push the plot forward. Yeah. And maybe something, I don't know, uh, just, it's hard to describe. It's a tonal thing more than anything else. The show just feels like a bit too dark. It's almost as if the, since it's the same creative team, they're like flash is the fun show and we need to differentiate it to where the flash is the fun bubbly show. And therefore arrow needs to be, uh, the dark serious show. And I'd like to see them find something between those two. I'm going to go ahead and call something right now. So that when it happens, I can text you and go told you <laughs> in your face. Um, I think they're going to blindside us with Ollie's kid towards the end of the season. Oh, okay. You just blindsided me. Ollie's kid. 
we found out last season that uh, this girl got pregnant with his kid, and his mom like paid her off and sent her away. Yes, 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 yes. And he's so wrapped up in Diggle living with his family and getting away from the superhero business and being there for his kid and and how he can't have a family and he can't be Oliver Queen because he's the Arrow all the time. I think in when everything hits the fan, maybe shortly after when it starts to calm down, then he's going to turn around and bam, kid. That's true. That's true. You know what? And that would make sense because as I've been sitting here sort of going back over my notes that I wrote about this, my main criticism can probably be summed up much better than I have been saying it. I think the show feels way too crowded with too much going on. And Oliver doesn't really feel like he's that important to the show right now. Yeah. So that would make sense if for them to blindside us by bringing it right back to Ollie with a kid. Because now that you mention it, he's, he's not really the central part of the show. It's just everything sort of circling around him. Yeah. There's, again, not even the Hong Kong flashbacks haven't really pushed anything forward too much. So, yeah, I, I can see that. They need to sort of get the show being about Arrow again, rather than the 27 other people on the show. The reason I say that this uh, show is the new Buffy and Angel mm-hmm. for me is not only am I looking forward to every episode, but Buffy and Angel were on the same network for quite a while and, and crossed over very frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, e- even little things, kind of like the block, where a character would pick up the phone and call somebody on the other show, and then you watch the other show, and that character would pick up the phone and talk to the character from the other show. And little stuff like that that kept it in a contained universe, connected. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're getting to see that more and more with Arrow and Flash, and it's very exciting to get to see that again. Mm. And, and I may very well just be sort of caught up in the Flash. It's the shiny new thing. Um, but, yeah, okay, I, I I would like to see more of that, of them being connected. I would love – I kind of got excited when Felicity was like, I need time off. I need to go see my friend who was struck by lightning. I got excited by the idea of, oh, I bet in next week's episode she's going to be on The Flash. You know, I would love to see that sort of a, a back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to just see the characters flow from one show to the other. Uh, there was four episodes, two on each, Buffy and Angel, where they – had this story and you kind of almost had to watch the other show the, the, the other show picked up with the first one left off and they went back and forth for four shows and that was so much fun to get to see the two different sides but kind of the same story and and you get pieces of the whole plot as you watch each one and so i'd like to see the characters move in and out of the shows and and it really be a connected universe I think they're definitely moving toward that. I mean, it's one of the advantages of having both of these shows on the CW. Um, unfortunately, our next show uh, is not on the CW, and much like Gotham, is in its own little universe. That's true, and it, it really, really bums me out, because I would love to see Wally and Ollie and John Constantine on the same screen. I don't think that We'd be able to handle it, to be honest with you. I said Wally. I meant Barry. You did say Wally. I wasn't going to correct you, but uh, yeah, Barry. <laughs> when I said that, Wally and Ollie, that doesn't sound right. Wally hmm. and Ollie and <laughs> uh, <laughs> Barry and Ollie and, and John Constantine. The 
John Constantine's got so much snark that he would irritate the holy crap out of Ollie. I mean, you wouldn't be able to get through an episode without Ollie having to shoot him just just to make himself feel better. I just picture John just being like wanting to annoy the hell out of Ollie, so he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm going to talk to some people you killed right now. Let's uh, let's talk to your old dead girlfriend, huh? Yeah, let's bring her up for a second. Right, right. Yeah. And and the, everything. She said you were shit in bed, man. <laughs> and everything Constantine does, uh, Barry would be trying to pick apart and and analyze and. Barry would irritate John the same way John irritates Ollie, and I think it would be just a great dynamic to have, even just for an episode, and we'll probably never get to see it. <laughs> Unfortunately not. So yes, this is the one epi- one show where we only have one episode to judge so far. Uh, the pilot of Constantine aired the other day, and uh, we're going to talk about that as sort of our last show we're going to talk about tonight of our superhero shows. And uh, I'm going to again hand this over to Lie Smith. I have seen it, but Lie Smith is a huge John Constantine fan, especially as he is in the current DC universe with uh, Justice League Dark and uh, the the magical DC magical side. Um, what did you think of the pilot episode of Constantine? I thought um, it was rocky. Uh, it, it was, but. I have to give it a lot of leeway because, I mean, for one, it's a pilot, mm-hmm. and those tend to be a little rocky sometimes. Uh, we know going into it that the lead actress for the pilot isn't on the show anymore. They had to do some uh, refilming and uh, edit that last bit a little bit, mm-hmm. and so I, ha- I had to really give it a lot of leeway. And the next episode, I think, is really going to set the tone for the rest of the series. I'm going to agree with you. Um, there was a lot of elements I liked about the show. There were two elements I didn't like about the show, and one of them you hit right there. Um, replacing Liv. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood why they did that, because I kind of felt the actress wasn't that great. Yeah. It's like every scene she was in, she just sort of sucked the life right out of it. Yeah. A lot of people complained that it was another stereotypical TV show where the stereotypical white male saves the girl. Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, but so I sat there and I was like, like you, I knew about this going in. So I went in knowing she was not going to be on the rest of the, the series. Yeah. But that created a problem. It took the air out of the entire pilot. Yeah, because the whole point of the pilot was to convince her that she has these powers. And that she got from her father. So in a lot of ways, the entire pilot, the plot of the first episode is about John trying to get her to believe in herself, her powers, in this larger paranormal universe. And then at the very end, she just leaves and isn't going to be a part of the series. Right. So you're sitting there going, well, what the hell was the whole point of that? Yeah. That whole story, there was no reason to tell that story. So in a lot of ways, I felt maybe they should have just shot another pilot. Which I guess is financially not possible. They had to, you know, this was the money they spent. But I'm almost sitting there thinking somebody screwed up big time and screwed up at a point where they really, they should have caught this before they wanted to shoot it. Because I heard it was, you know, I looked at it and I was like, well, the actress really wasn't that great. Or at least her performance wasn't that great. But from what I've heard, it was a choice in the story direction. After they'd filmed the pilot, 
and then when they were picked up to go to series and they were starting to, you know, the writer sat down and sort of hashed out what they wanted the first six or seven episodes to be somewhere in that area, they wanted to go in a different direction. They really needed to figure that out before they shot the pilot. Yeah. That was a huge, almost amateurish mistake to make. Now, if that's just an official reason and the real reason is the issue they had with the actors, then that's unavoidable. That's mm-hmm. just a problem. You know, that just happens. Um, so that was my first issue. And I agree. That's where the second episode is going to come into play. That's where you're going to get the real tone set. The other issue I had was, and this is probably going to become a recurring issue because it's NBC. I just didn't think it was as scary as it should have been. Really? There were two scenes that were really, that were terrifying. One, the scene in the ambulance. Mm -hmm. That, that freaked me out. And the second was the quick shot of the grandmother. Yeah. Those were really terrifying images. The rest of it felt like a Final Destination movie. I didn't feel it was as scary as it should have been. It was almost like a sci-fi channel scary or a direct-to-video scary. And that's going to be hard to do because, one, it's hard to do really scary stuff that's unique and hasn't been done before, especially if you're talking about doing it on a weekly basis. Right. And then they're also going to be held in by they're not on HBO, they're Mm -hmm. not on AMC, where The Walking Dead is able to do stuff. You know, they're on NBC. I think that's going to hurt the show a little bit. But, again, this wasn't Gotham. There was a lot I liked about this. <laughs> that's true. Um, I love the actor. And oh, yeah. I think that's what's going to carry the show. Absolutely. The character of John Constantine. Everything else can be fixed. They've got a really good actor who's doing a really good job with that role. I'm surprised that you said it wasn't scary enough for you because that's the one complaint I've heard from everybody is that it was so scary. Really? Uh, I made the mistake of watching it with my five small children. Ooh. So I was up last night with nightmares. Ooh. So it, okay. it, it was scary. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was sitting there thinking, okay. Okay. Maybe not for kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. The two scenes that I think got them the most uh, was the grandma, and then when the truck crashes in and she's laying on the hood and her neck's at an odd angle and she's like growling kind of like and snapping. gasping, breathing, yeah. growling thing. That was pretty creepy. Yeah, that got them a lot. Um, well, maybe my issue more was – because those are – both those scenes are the scenes that I had issues. Not issues, that I, the scenes that I actually thought were terrifying, those two scenes, the ambulance scene and the grandma scene. Um, I felt the scene in the uh, sanitarium mm-hmm. with the cockroaches and then her flying around and possessed uh-huh. was a little bit, maybe it was a tonal thing because he was going from comedic to where it's like, uh, you may not want to keep painting there. And then when he sees her, he's like, no, nope, no, nope, not doing it, not doing it. You know, so it went from comedy to horror, but I felt it was too rough of a transition maybe. To where I felt the horror really didn't play out as well as it should have. And, you know, then the dude got killed by like, well, he didn't get killed. He came back, but by electrical wiring. Right, right. Yeah, it's, that was not seemed like scene. a final destination kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end, there's psychologically scary stuff with um, Astra. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. But it didn't play as terrifying as, say, something from The Exorcist. Yeah. 
Now, we can see more down the road, but I don't know how far they're going to be able to go, I guess is what I'm trying to say with it being NPC. Um, when you start messing around with demonic stuff, yeah. you know, it gets really, really dark. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to go that really, really dark to that dark place. Um, I'm just worried that we're going to see more Final Destination, less Grandma and Ambulance, especially if you, if you have to do it on a weekly basis. I don't disagree with you, and it's a definite concern. I do want to take into consideration that uh, uh, network TV is getting – is really pushing that envelope uh, mm. really we hard. Saw we saw it last year with Dracula. Yeah, yeah, right. I was about to mention Dracula. But uh, it, the language, the the graphic violence and gore and, and sexuality, it's all getting worse and worse because I don't actually watch a whole lot of TV outside of my nerdy stuff. So that so when it does come and, and gets into this stuff, it takes me by surprise. I'm sure it's not to somebody who watches TV every night, you know, comes home and turns on the TV. I'm sure that it's a, a more gradual change. But for somebody who doesn't actually watch a whole lot of TV, uh, it, it's, it hits me hard sometimes. Where I'm going, wow, I can't believe he said that. Or holy cow, I can't believe they're showing this on TV. I will agree with you. There was, especially the ambulance scene and the grandma scene, there were, I was sitting there going, holy crap, that's terrifying for network television. Right, right. So, but I'm worried that's going to become more the exception than the rule. That the rule is going to be more of the final destination kind of thing. Yeah, and they do definitely have their hands tied a little bit being on network television. Uh, I actually, uh, a little faux pas probably, but I uh, had said something on Twitter. I mentioned the John Constantine writers, and, and uh, I had said that I expected the show to be more like the new 52 Constantine, that mm-hmm. you can't be Hellblazer on network TV. If it was HBO, you might be able to expect some of that, but being on network television, it's probably going to be new 52. Yeah. And they actually replied to me and said, actually, we're huge Hellblazer fans. That's the content we're working on. That's the source material that we're looking at when we write the TV shows. Really? Because I didn't see him smoking a cigarette in that entire episode. And that's where they have their hands tied. That is the biggest complaint. Is they're not allowed to show him smoking. I mean, they kind of skirted it when they cut to the scene in the bar, which is obviously the, the part they reshot to explain mm-hmm. that Liv wasn't going to be there. When they cut to the scene, when the, like the actual first shot, he's putting a cigarette out. Yeah. You know, he's sort of burying a butt into a uh, into a, a um, ash uh, tray, whatever they're called. I don't smoke, <laughs> but um, so that was sort of the way they were like, "See, see, see, he's smoking." And I'm sitting there going, "No, I didn't really see him smoking." And I'm, I, as I just said, I don't smoke. My wife doesn't smoke. I'm not really a smoker myself. I'm not one of those smoking Nazis. I don't care if people smoke. You know, you can choose to do what you want to do. Um, but. I think it's silly that we were able to see a grandmother basically slow vomiting blood out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to see a chick flying around. We were able to see a woman in an ambulance with her head turned, you know, in a very unnatural position. Uh, but we couldn't see John Constantine in the middle of all this being like, oh, man, I need a cigarette and just lighting up you know, a smoke when I think I, that would be a very natural response when faced with demons on a daily basis would be to light up a cigarette. So I, I just don't, 
I'm worried that because it's NBC, it's not going to be able to be as scary as it can be. They obviously aren't going to be able to have the character be as full on as it can be. And and again, let me say, I thought um, the actor did a great job oh, yeah. in the role. But I feel even he's being handcuffed with what he can do and can't do based on, well, he can't smoke a cigarette. But, hey, you know what? You can flip the channel over to, like, whatever and see somebody being dissected on some CSI show. And you can, you know, see some, you know, chick's boobs on this other show as long as it's like a three-quarter shot and it's after nine o'clock at night. <laughs> uh, but you can't show him smoking a cigarette. Right. So my concern is that all this stuff's going to nickel and dime the character to death. Yeah, it seems like such a minor thing. But when you take into account that in the comic books he had cancer. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. That was part of his big issue is not only was he damned, but he was going to die pretty soon. Hmm. And it was from the smoking, and he wasn't going to quit, and he had a death sentence anyway, so why? Mm-hmm. Right? So it was a it was a big part of the character. And uh, so I think – I'm sure the reason behind them not allowing him to smoke on TV is that kids don't think it's cool. But – when you give the character a life-threatening disease from the smoking, I think that kind of sends a message. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And again, I don't want this to come off as critical because I did enjoy the pilot. And I think they can go in lots of interesting places. And it, I do think that it was very stuffed to the gills, mm -hmm. so to speak, with the Astro stuff with his background, this opening in the asylum, and maybe it should have been a two-hour episode to get all that. It felt a little heavy. It so, was very heavy, yeah. So like you, I'm sitting there going, well, now I want to see the second episode. Yeah, the second episode I think will will be the better episode. Uh, Angelica Saleya comes in as Zed, who is a mm -hmm. far more uh, aggressive and independent character, and is... Uh, if I'm right, will will end up be more like John's partner than the girl he's saving. So yeah, yeah. So I, I think it'll be a stronger show once they bring her in, and uh, uh, then you've got Manny who's playing the angel. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got I, I can't remember his name. Uh, the the guy who died and came back. Chaz. Chaz, thank you. Uh, who is is such an interesting character in his own, and then the rumor is the main villain coming in for the show is when we pop a midnight. Really? Yeah. So I'm actually really, really amped, and really excited for this. And one of the reasons I'm really amped and really excited for this is that the actors are talking about it all the time, especially Angelica Salea. She's, I mean, every day she's posting stuff about how excited she's about the show. She's posting pictures from the set and, uh, the cast from this. I mean, uh, uh the gentleman who plays, uh, the angel on the show is just Her, did a Q and a Yes, thank you. Uh, he's doing. He did a question and answer on Twitter the other night, and they just make themselves really accessible and really excited about the show, which keeps me very excited about it. And when they're excited about it, you know they're going to do a better job. They're going to push, and uh, it's going to be a better performance. So yeah. I'm really excited about the show going into it. This was a rocky pilot, but I'm I'm very excited. It was a rocky pilot, but it was a rocky pilot that pointed in a better direction. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, my issue with the pilot came about from them 
emotionally gutting it because of their decision to go in a different direction with a different actor, actress, and a different character down the road. That is something that hurt the pilot, but pointed toward fixing something down the road to make it better in the long run. Gotham was a rocky pilot, but it didn't have anything that pointed down the road to improving. Yeah. Uh, it didn't have anything that was like, wow, okay, that plot was a little iffy, but that's really good. Yeah. One of the things, one of the other things that Gotham could learn from Constantine is there's a lot of the subtle mentions that you see in Arrow and Flash throughout uh, uh, Constantine. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the, the promo phone number we mentioned on a previous podcast where you could call and he mentioned uh, Alec Holland, mm-hmm. the Swamp Thing, and then uh, in Liv's dad's house. Oh, yes, yes. There was the Dr. Fate helmet. Dr. Fate helmet. I had to explain to my wife what that was. Yeah. She was like, why are you smiling at a really creepy looking helmet? (laughs) That's Dr. Fate's helmet. Yeah, I hope they come back to that at some point. But uh, And then at the end, the very, very end, when uh, he says – he's monologuing there at the end. That line is taken straight from the comic book. It's cut a little bit. I think there's a line or two that they cut from the the little speech there at the end. But even yet. Uh, hearing those words and, and getting to watch him be a badass there was just really, really cool. So like you said, it points to a great direction for the TV show. Yeah, it's – I'm worried that people who didn't know about the change and the casting issue that they had are going to watch this one episode and go, well, what the hell was that? Why do I care about this? That She's leaving the show. What was the point of that? Hopefully they'll stick around for episode two that they'll realize there was a behind-the-scenes issue that they had to deal with, and episode two is really going to be the pilot. I almost wonder if maybe they could have just edited episode two as the pilot. You know, once they got the, the you know, they shot the pilot, it got picked up to go to series. They were going to make the casting change and all of that. I almost wish they had just, when they did episode two, had that reintroduce the character and just never actually showed the pilot, except for maybe as a... Uh, uh, an extra on the DVD because it really undermined the show. I mean, I, I can't help but as say it's like it just pulled the air right out of it when you have the character that is being saved or is ha- on a journey of self-discovery, just sort of like, oh, I'm going to California, not going to be around. Yeah, it's like a little sucker punch to the audience. Um, yeah. yeah, but as I said, I. I thought the actor did a great job there were some there were a couple really terrifying moments in it um the astra storyline already has more potential than anything that was in the pilot for gotham in the sense of holy crap man this is serious i want to see what happens here yeah um so while you and i agree that it it was a pilot that had issues um it was a pilot that successfully sold the show to make both of us want to see episode two. Absolutely. All right, so I think that's it for this week. The kick-ass music at the beginning and end of the podcast is Big Damn Heroes, and you can find out more about them at facebook.com slash band. And you can always hit us up at facebook.com slash geekinpodcast, and feel free to follow us at twitter.com slash geekinpodcast. And, of course, the address for the blog is geekinpodcast.blogspot.com. We'll be seeing you soon.